So we've been doing a sermon series on the Psalms. This is the final week of that series. And I would encourage you, uh, the book is by Walter Brueggemann. It's called The Spirituality of the Psalms. It's really short. It's very practical. It's beautiful. It's been challenging to me. And the structure of the book looks at the Psalms, right? So this is like a collection of Hebrew poems, Hebrew songs, throughout the life of David, throughout the life of exile, right? It, it, it has songs and poetry from times when Israel is at the highest high. It had, has psalms and poetry from when Israel is at the lowest low. And so through it all, he categorizes them into sort of like these three um, uh, categories of psalms. You have like the psalms of orientation where things are right and good and the world just feels like it's going well. And some of you are in that stage now, right? It just seems like there is just this prosperity, safety, peace. Oh, praise God, right? But you have psalms of disorientation, psalms where things are not right. You have felt like, where is God? Why doesn't God show up? How could there be so much pain in the world if God is so loving? And so you have the psalms that cry out to God in, in distress, suffering, anger. And then you have psalms of reorientation where after a time of exile for Israel... Or David being chased by Saul, right? After these terrifying times, you have reorientation where, where God is renewing, breathing new life into the community or into the individual. And really, these are seasons of life. So I've talked about the Psalms as seasons of life. We have seasons where things are good and seasons where things are tough and seasons where we move out of where things are tough back to when things are good again. And we focused mostly on like individual spirituality. My focus has been on you as an individual, right? Your life. Times when relationships have fallen apart. New love has been found. A job has been lost. Something else has been recovered. And that's important for you to think about that in your own life, right? My advice has been, I hope you've heard this, my advice has been spend less time trying to control these circumstances that are largely out of your control. Stop trying to keep yourself from feeling what you need to feel, saying what you need to say, doing what you need to do. Stop trying to control that. You can't, life will not always be roses. It will get difficult. And sometimes it gets difficult for no reason at all. And I'll share right now, right? So I'm, I'm going to go on sabbatical. I, I, congratulations are in order. Joe, go enjoy it. And for whatever reason, I'm in the middle of summer and I have nothing but dis-ease in my soul, right? Like I went for a bike ride the other morning. I woke up early and I'm riding my bike and it's before it gets hot. And there's nothing in the world that's wrong. My kids are healthy and great and I'm not happy. It's nothing but like a sense of like, what's, why, why don't I feel better? Why don't I have more joy? <laughs> my life couldn't be better right now and yet it just doesn't feel and again a lot of it's just the anxiety of like you better enjoy the sabbatical you better make the most of it this better be the greatest time of your life you'll never get another one <laughs> and trust me my personality does not do well with that I will ruin it just from the anticipation of that I'm going to get to the end of it and I will have regret like I didn't do enough I didn't rest 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 <laughs> Sometimes disorientation happens for literally no reason at all. But here's where, it, here's where I compound the problem, when I just don't let myself feel it. 
When I don't just say, I'm, I just have disease, I just don't feel rested, I don't... Because if I'm trying to accomplish it, you know what happens? I end up turning to things that are often unhealthy, things in my life that are not going to benefit me. You can't control the seasons of your life. Things come together and things fall apart. And if it isn't happening to you now, it's going to happen. Health will fail. People will hurt you. Things will change. COVID will hit. You, we can't stop it. So instead of exerting the energy to try to stop the seasons of our lives from happening, I, I'm going to encourage you or challenge you to spend more time becoming the kind of person that can handle the seasons of life. The kind of person that can welcome and even find a sense of peace through the seasons of life. Do you see the difference between the two? One, all my effort and my work is to stop things from happening. The other is, I'm going to become the kind of person that can let things happen. Individual spirituality is important. The seasons of your individual lives are important. Things like prayer and scripture reading, counseling, getting the help you need, becoming whole, that's important. But today, I want to transition. The final chapter of the book deals with corporate spirituality, not individual or private spirituality. The difference makes sense. So individually, like I should pray and I should like take time with God and ride my bike and take in nature, go on a hike. I should do the things that I know fill my soul, read poetry, come to church, worship. Corporate spirituality is a different thing altogether. It is what does it mean to embody what we believe together in the world? How does my spirituality look when I live it out, when I act it out? And the Psalms are about this. The Psalms are rarely about one individual. It is often about the community. It is about Israel. It's about what they are enduring and what we as a community should do in the midst of what we're experiencing. What is the call of God? I don't want to just have a disembodied private spirituality. I want to have an embodied corporate spirituality where together we come to worship as a body of Christ and then we get to change our community. We get to transform the world, right? So I want to put a pin in that for a minute. We're going to come back to it. Are we okay? So we're going to come back to corporate spirituality and I'm going to be like, like rewind. <laughs> Tangent. This is like number one footnote, bottom of the page. One of the major struggles I have that, that people have, the world has with God, is the problem of evil. So you've heard of this, I assume, the problem of pain, the problem of suffering, right? If God is loving and kind and powerful, why do people suffer? And sometimes the, the suffering of the world, like as TJ shared, in his, the suffering of the world feels overwhelming. Like, how could this be? I've had seasons in my life where I think, how could this be? You'll re read about something in the newspaper, it just, it doesn't make any sense that the world is like this. And so this is a very common problem. I've heard people say, you know, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't really address the problem of evil that much. Like, I wish the Bible would address it a little bit more. It feels like this is a problem I have that scripture writers don't necessarily have. And maybe they have more faith than I do, I'm not sure. But it's also not entirely true to say that the Bible doesn't address it because the Psalms are all about the problem of pain and suffering. The psalmists care deeply about it. How long, O Lord, will you let us suffer? When will you show up? How long will you let your enemies gloat? The psalmist 
wants an answer from God. And this happens in part because those writing the Psalms believe that God needs to show up. That God, if, if God is loving, then dot, dot, dot. God should not let the innocent suffer. If God is just dot, 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 then God should not allow the wealthy and powerful to disadvantage those without a voice. If God is holy, then God should. Right? Do you have those? I have those thoughts, right? It can feel sacrilegious like, who are you, Joe, to demand something of God? But I believe those who write the Psalms demand something of God. Now, again, God's free to respond however God wants. But they're going to come to God and say, wait a second, right? Something, the world's not right. Something's desperately wrong with the systems and the structures of the world. And maybe that's when Israel's a slave in Egypt. Something's wrong with the systems and the structure of the world. We're slaves and we're supposed to be your people. Or maybe it's when they're in exile in Babylon. Or maybe it's when David's got to go face Goliath and they're being oppressed by the Philistines. But the world's not the way it should be. And we all experience this. The world is just not the way it should be. I'm so grateful the Psalms say so. I'm not the only one that feels this way, right? So we're going to read Psalm 6. And I want you to hear this, this plea, this cry. Please, Lord. This is Psalm 6. Please, Lord, don't punish me when you are angry. Don't discipline me when you are furious. Have mercy on me, Lord, because I'm frail. Heal me, Lord, because my bones are shaking in terror. My whole body is completely terrified. But you, Lord, how long will this last? Come back to me, Lord. Deliver me. Save me for the sake of your faithful love. No one is going to praise you when they are dead. Who gives thanks from the grave? I'm worn out from groaning. Every night I drench my bed with tears. I soak my couch all the way through. My vision fails because of my grief. It's weak because of all my distress. Get away from me, all you evildoers, because the Lord has heard me crying. The Lord has listened to my request. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and completely terrified. They will be defeated and ashamed instantly. Oh Lord, please show up in my life. Things are not the way they ought to be. I don't deserve the amount of pain and loss I've experienced. I'm your child. You created me. Certainly you want to love me, God. Certainly you want to protect me, God. So, I'm not the only one. You can give me some nods. We all experience the world as not, not being quite right, that the kingdom of God is not here in full, that the structures and systems of the world are bent often on injustice, at least it feels that way. Okay. So we cry out to God. That is great. That is appropriate. The Psalms give us permission to cry out to God. But it's not enough. So you... Let's come back. Embodied spirituality, collectively, we now have a call. And here's what I'm going to challenge us with. And this is a challenge to me as much as it is to you. Every time I cry out to God to make the world better or different, that I'm angry with how things work or the loss I experience or the alienation I see, God is looking right back at me, at you, at us, and God is saying, Joe, what are you going to do about it?
I'm going to need your help. I'm not sure why, but the God of the universe decided he wants human participation in all of this. God didn't even write the book. Humans did, right? God didn't send down uh, like scrolls from heaven. No golden tablets to be found. He used people like Moses, a murderer, coward, David, adulterer, murderer, coward, Paul, persecuting Christians for most of his life, Pharisee. God, some reason, wants crazy people like me and you to be a part of this. So every time I cry out in anger, and it's appropriate to do that, I'm not suggesting not to cry out in anger to God or to ask God to change the world, but God is looking right back and saying, Joe, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? The world's not right. The systems of the world are bent often on injustice. And so we get to participate in that world to make it better. The Psalms are not just about me connecting to God. The Psalms are not just about my private faith. The Psalms are a challenge to identify where we have people that are voiceless and marginalized. And by the way, the church historically has done this to whole groups of people. Voiceless, marginalized, oppressed, weak, poor, vulnerable. I think about the way the world has, is bent against women. And the systems of the world are bent against women, often. Or the way the world is bent against those who suffer disability, whether physical or emotional or mental. Or I think about the way the structures of the world are often bent against people who are part of the LGBTQ community, who feel rejected and alienated from church and family and loved ones. I think about the way the structures and systems of the world often operate to benefit those that already are rich, comfortable, stable, have power, and they're bent against those that feel none of that stability and have none of that wealth. I think about the way our economic system works, or our educational system, or our legal system. I don't know any of us that would say, oh no, no, that legal system, whether you're rich or poor, it totally treats you equally. <laughs> Economic system, if you have money, it's not easier to make money. No, that, of course that's not, not the case, right? Not, no justice there. Our political system, a anyone can be uh, a representative. I mean, certainly if you've got millions of dollars to run even a local campaign. So the world isn't right. The structures and systems of the world aren't right. But the voice of Jesus over and over and over again is on behalf of those who suffer. Who does Jesus reorient? Who's Where does he breathe new life? It's in the blind, the leper, the person caught in adultery or sin. Jesus' greatest forms of grace and resurrection are for those who feel totally alone and alienated. And who does Jesus disorient? Who does Jesus make feel unstable? It is this powerful, the religious leader. It is the wealthy. It's us. And not only does Jesus go to those on the margins, he is marginalized. He's one of them. Right? So here's the deal. 
I stand before you as a white dude with that's a, it's a professor. I get a, I get a microphone every Sunday with all of you. I own my home. I couldn't be more comfortable. I know how to work every system to my advantage. I feel very stable. I would have to burn 10,000 bridges to really suffer. I can turn to so many different people if I needed help. And the voice of Jesus is calling me to disorientation. Jesus is saying, Joe, how are you going to use what you have to make the world better for other people? How are you going to change the systems and structures of the world so that those with little power get more and those with little voice get more? Some of you in the room are like me. And you feel very comfortable, stable, safe, and secure. And I, I can promise you, if you read the gospel at all, the call is for you to embody Christianity in a way that uses what you have for the sake of other people, even when it's uncomfortable. And so I'm going to challenge you deeply now to where, wherever you are in your spiritual journey to allow God to push you even further into places of discomfort into places where the world needs you to serve, to give. Because I promise you that's the call. Of course, I also want to mention there are some people in the room who feel none of what I mentioned. Some in the room feel really not secure, have, have been hurt and damaged by the systems of the world. The world's not right in your case in point. And I hope when you hear the words of Jesus, when you hear the words of the Psalms, you feel a breath of life, support and love and encouragement that when you walk into this space, you feel like this is a place you belong. I'll end with this. Maybe the best news in all of it, in the midst of feeling challenged, is that you're not in it alone. We do this together. We do this as a community, a corporate body. We are going to live in embodied spirituality that's going, to, that's going to unleash God's power into our neighborhoods in ways that we could never do on our own. And you don't have to. We do it together and we do it with God. We do it with the presence of the Holy Spirit. So can we, as a community, embody the sense that the world's not right that we can channel some of that frustration we have with God sometimes and we can take some of that responsibility to say, but maybe we're the ones responsible to make the change we want to see in the world. We're responsible, right, to those on the margins, those in isolation. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for the Psalms. I'm grateful for their brutal honesty and their emotions in their joy, in their praise, in their crying out to you, in love, and in their fear, and in their suffering, and their anguish and anger, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you that you're a God that's present to us through our ups and our downs and everything in between. Would you give us the courage and the faith to rise up as a community and to make a difference in the systems of the world that we experience every day? that we would be an advocate for those who have so few advocates, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. Amen.
If you would please stand and join in our final song. You can stop recording, Saul. So.